Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Everyone relax, this is Dope Up. I'm Charlie Clausen. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. How are you, Will? Oh, I'm busy. Are you going to say, um, are you going to mention the weather? Because that's all everyone's doing this week. It's like winter hit Australia and that's all we can talk about is how cold it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you not heard that? Is that right? I mean, I must admit I will have, I think I've probably said to some people that it's cold. So I guess I'm part of this national conversation that is that's happening. But no, I wasn't aware that we were in the middle of everybody saying. Yeah, like, I just have noticed. Like that's the that's what I picked up off social media and stuff, and also off you know I talked to my sister in Melbourne last night, caught up, had brunch oh with a friend Charlie, this morning. And you know I'm off social media. What? I didn't realise that I was missing. When did that happen? Big <laughs> stories like people thinking it was a bit cold. Well, Batuta, I, I've got to get back Batuta on. Made it, where, where, where am I? Where 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 do I need to find out this information? Is it TikTok? Where do I need to? <laughs> no, no. It? Even like you, even on Instagram, the Batuta, You know that was one of their satirical headlines this week. Was like Australians realise it's winter because everyone's saying how cold it is. But it is, it is cold. It's taken a turn and. Uh, I mean, it's not that cold, though, is it? I mean, it's well, yeah. I mean, it's relative, fine. right? Like, you know, if you yeah, live in Alaska, it's cold compared to normal. I went. Yeah, I was going to say I went to Alaska when it was minus thirty three degrees. I know what cold is. But I uh, this morning, like, because I think it's we had a really good summer, good dry, warm summer, and it seemed to go for a long time. And then um, winter's come, and this morning, our house was like colder than ever. And so I have a I have a pretty set routine. Um, on days when I own is in daycare, which is like I'll roll out of bed, I'll make everyone breakfast, get them all set, and then when I is ready to go to daycare, I'll drop her off, and then I'll zip off to the gym. And then uh, once I get a workout done, then I get on with my day. But this morning, I'm like, oh, it's the idea of just even leaving the house. And so I went to my drawer, and I pulled out my trusty skins, my thermals, oh. not my thermals, but you know, like what do you call them? Like the mm. second, the compression tights. <laughs> <laughs> None of these are making it better. Your Lululemon, no, Lulu, no, you not my Lulu your Lululemon yoga pants. No, no, my skins, my my Under Armour yeah. uh, compression tights. Wow. I, but they are just Lululemons for men. No, Lululemons are a bit These are more form footing. This is like stupid, sexy Flanders. Type. Yeah, I mean, but I think those ones are available at your Lululemon. You could go into your stupid, sexy. Yeah, well, I mean, I think compression tights is honestly a branding thing. I think most tights are compression tights. Okay, I'm typing in Lululemon compression. And you're right, they do men's compression pants. (laughs) There you go. Ah, stupid, sexy Lululemon. I mean, imagine being a model for compression tights. I could not be a model for compression tights. I mean, these these are. I'm looking at some gams right now. I'm telling you right now, my thighs are. Too are you big. wearing something over your tights? Yes. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not just wearing your tights. No, though, no, right? no, no. That's a that's a. No. I think there was a period when compression tights came in, and I'm going to sort of say mid 2000s. I feel like that's. I judge everything by the footy, and I feel like football footballers started wearing them, like in the mid 2000s, or am I misremembering that? Late nineties, mid two thousand. I mean, that feels right. I don't know, mid two thousand. And if you look at photos of players back then, they'd go to training in the compression tights, but they wouldn't wear shorts over the top. And it's not good. It's not good. It's just there's 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 too much not left to the imagination. <laughs> it is kind of amazing, isn't it? How so? I've been watching like a few things that have had athletes in them recently, and there's just occasionally you're like, oh yeah. Like it's weird that part of this sport is that we can see your dick. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What sports like, have you I mean, been watching? Like no, sprinting. but I mean, like you know, sprinting or any oh, of those yeah. outfits, like swimming, even to a certain mm. extent. But like anything that has that sort of tight fitted, yeah, no, aerodynamic tight fitted uniform. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's an element of like it's weird that to compete in this sport, we've also. I mean. So the most famous case of all, of course, is – and apparently he doesn't like people to talk about this, but anyway, whatever. This is 
He doesn't. He absolutely does not listen. The new host of breakfast television in Australia on a television show called Sunrise, which is the equivalent of your Good Morning Americas or whatever the you know um, Good Morning Standard in breakfast the UK TV talk show. Yeah, breakfast television. And there's been one guy who's hosted it for twenty odd years, and then so his replacement has just come in, and it's a younger version, but not that much younger anymore, I guess. Like. A guy who grew up in front of the Australian eye and particularly one feature of him grew up in front of the Australian eye, which was sprinter Matt Shervington, who is now, yes, a, a respected television presenter. And But he was a white guy who used to compete in the 100 metres at the Olympics. And it was one of those things where anecdotally you're like, well, like white guys aren't particularly good at sprinting, but maybe it has something to do with the size of the junk because Matt Shervington had a notoriously large and floppy penis <laughs> that used to when he sprinted. I mean, notoriously just... floppy implies like something else. Like, I mean, no, I mean, was, I don't think floppy is the right if he word. was erect. We're only seeing it when he's sprinting. Yeah, yeah, I need to yeah, point yeah, that's out. That's right. So it's, it's appropriate that it's floppy in that situation. It would be much worse. It had a if lot it was of bounce to it. Erect, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean that it would jiggle up and down yeah. as he sprinted. His package would move around, especially I in a slow motion replay. Yeah. Like it was hypnotic. That's right. It was like it was like a, it was like a metronome. And as a country, sort of we did forth. a lot of slow motion replays of his dick. Yeah. As a nation, we were pretty obsessed with it for a while. Yeah, there was definitely a percentage of the audience that were watching mm. the men's 100 metres final, not for the uh, athletic endeavour, but more for the slow-mo replays of eight penises bouncing towards them in slow motion. I mean, it was one of those things where you're like, you know, they say that steroids – Shrinks your dick. Yeah. So I guess that's your ultimate proof but- that you're not juicing <laughs> to be in the 100 metres. It's like, look at this thing. It's massive. It's all over the place. I've got a black eye from it. Well, I am someone who uh, I was late to the compression tight thing. I think maybe, ironically, living in Melbourne, that's the perfect place. Like if you're going to go exercise, going to go for a jog or something, you want to put on some compression tights. But I didn't get into it until I was in Sydney. But it gets cold enough in Sydney to wear them. But I... Love them. Like I honestly has made me think maybe I should wear tights just like all the, all time. the time. Constantly. Not, not, Be a tight guy. I, I just I love the feeling of it. Mm. I love my boys Leaning having a it. house. Yeah. But I also just love the kind of like you've got this insulation so you can mm. put on your tights and then you put a pair of pants over the mm. top and, and you're just toasty and warm all mm. the time. Yeah. And so this is the first time since oh, – when was last? I would have busted them out. I went skiing in October last year. That's the last time I would have worn my tights. But that was like out of context. That's a specific purpose. But now I've put them on just to like go about my day. Initially, just to treat yourself. Well, it- just a little bit of luxury, <laughs> like having an electric blanket on the bed. That's what it feels like. Because yeah. I hate winter. I'm not a cold person, mm. but there's certain things I like, like the electric blanket, like a hot water bottle. And I'm like, so if I'm going to buy tights now, like I don't, I haven't explored this. I'm just exploring this with you now. Like, do I go to a big W and do I just – I mean, I, I, I doubt that in the men's section there would be tights for men. So is it like hair dye where it's well, like, well, look – I mean, if you're going into the women's section like and buying tights at big W, I feel like that's a different issue to whether you're strolling into Lululemon <laughs> and getting some men's compression pants. Do you know what no, I mean? No, I don't like, want compression pants. I want stockings. I want – You just want tights. I want yeah. like – because, you know, women have all kinds yeah. of lovely tights and you've got mm. like, you know – Oh, wool, so you want wool. sexy ones. Not sexy. No one's going to see yeah. them. It's just for me. Uh-huh. It's just, but I just want right. something like warm and insulated <laughs> under my pants because the, the, if the compression yeah. tights feel this good and they're made mm-hmm. of whatever, you know, like elastic, S- some sort of synthetic, stretchy thing. thing. Imagine if yeah, I right. had a nice pair of wool tights or silk mm. tights. I mean, imagine silk would be lovely. It would feel amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I haven't explored yeah. it enough to know. Like, I mean, I, I haven't seen any. You know who's who's the the it guy like Timothy Chalamet, or you know who's one of those or Harry Styles who's very comfortable sort of gender bending. I haven't seen him wear tights. Absolutely, tights for men would be a thing. Absolutely. Well, I guess if you're Scottish, you know you wear kilts and stuff. They would that tights would be a thing. uh, Bonds make a pair. Hmm? 
You can pick yourself up. Hang on, are they thermals or are they tights? Because thermals are different. Oh, you're right. They are thermals. No, okay, you're right. Okay, that was a thermal. Because I'm thinking maybe um, I pair it with a garter belt. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. How about this? Uh, men's heat gear leggings. Oh, yeah. What does that, that mean? That sounds good. Yeah. So this one, okay, I'm going to run you through some options and you can tell me what you like the best. So you could go with, if you're willing to spend 60 bucks, you could go with, um, but these still feel look like, they look like thermals. compression pants. Okay. They're not called compression pants or thermals, but they look like them. Uh, they're by Under Armour. Oh, yeah. No. And they're called Super Light Heat Gear. Okay, yeah, that feels if still it's, like if it. If it's by like, any athletic brand, let's just ignore it. It's going to be that same sort of thing. All right, let's – or what about mem, men's bamboo long john? Oh, no, that's, that that's right. thermals. Thermals? A bamboo is thermals. Well, what, you said long johns. Long john means thermals. Oh, does it though? Like, I mean – What did you type into what Google? You, did you type men's what stockings? What are you saying – I, I said men's men's tights, men's leggings or tights, men's tights. Okay, but mostly what's coming up is what you seem to think are like thermals, like you know that they're not. So what what is the essential difference you're looking for? I don't want it to be that sort of shiny, of stretchy, athletic. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering okay. is there because maybe this is part of the market we can corner, where mm-hmm. like you know Tofop branded men's stockings, like the Manzia like men's tights. But yeah. like stockings for men, but for comfort, not for like athletic performance, yeah. not about like keeping your hamstrings warm, just more about yeah. keeping everyone your, relaxed, your, just putting some. Everyone relax, be snug in winter. Yeah. Okay. Relax. See, everything I'm looking at is New Balance, yeah. Gymshark, you know, RCVA, which are all athletic related. But where's the fashion tights? Oh, here we go. I found them. Well, oh dear. Okay. These are hideous. Hang on. Men's camouflage. Comp- oh no, these are compression pants again. See, but this is what I think is because there is a stigma around the word tights or stockings, I don't think you're going to find stuff on the market that isn't marketed as being compressed. Like that's the man, like the manly acceptable way to say, would you like to wear a pair of tights, yeah, right? that's right. Everything I'm looking at, I'm just scrolling through Google yeah. images, is all athletically centred. The, the, yeah. the, the most kind of neutral is a ballet. Non-athletic tights we want. We don't, we don't want – Tights for athletics. We want fashion tights. Fashion tights. Men's fashion tights. Yeah. Yeah, right. So there's there's one here that is Morella men's footed tight ivory pants, but the, it's, a baller, it's a ballet. It's not a ballet. Do you call them ballet dance or baller? Not a ballerina, baller fella. A baller yeah. <laughs> a fellerina, I believe. Fellerina. They call them. <laughs> so yeah. it's a dude in white tights with the, yeah. like doing a pointed toe mm. pose. But again, I mean, that I would, I would group that in with athletic. But where are the razzmatazz? For men. You remember the stockings your mum would get in that mm. big plastic egg from the supermarket? Yeah. <laughs> or is that just – you know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about. Like, uh, yeah. Razzmatazz. So, look, a lot of them – I've found some coloured ones, but they still, like, are very much bulk. So, like, I'm on a page now where it's like they basically look like something you might wear to Mardi Gras or, like, you know, they're still sort of thin and colourful – you know, pitched in that sort of thing. What about meggings? The homes of men's tights and leggings. Oh, that How do you feel good. about that? Meggings. Okay, let's. Uh, all right. Okay. Oh, okay. Here we go. We got some categories here. So this is. Um, have a look at this meggings site. Find the right meggings. This is Kapow meggings. Yeah, I found it. I'm, right? I'm on the same page. <laughs> yep. Okay. So what we have here is you got your original leggings. You've got your running and workout performance leggings. Yeah. You got your metallic and special leggings. Yeah. You got your supreme leggings. You've got three quarter leggings, and you've got leggings with pockets. How do you feel about a pair of leggings with some pockets in them? That seems weird because I would ordinarily yeah. think I'd have something over the top. What about under collections? I've got lounge leggings. Okay. What does that all look right. like? Well, I don't know. They're all this sh- same shiny material. This is not. See, like women's stockings. Are made from different materials, you know. You got like yeah. There's a what about a velvet pair? Oh yeah, there's a, oh, there's velvet a pair dragon of vel- meggings. They're <laughs> amazing. Velvet Royale. How about those velvet Royale meggings? Okay, now we're talking, below, right? A nice pair of velvet meggings. Oh, there's some tiger print ones as well. Velvet tiger <laughs> meggings. I think I may have found yeah. my new website. I'm going to spend a fortune at this place. <laughs> I mean, they're designed by guys. 
Four Guys. This is not an ad, by the way. Yeah. But if Meggings, <laughs> We're done with Donut King. <laughs> if, if Kapow Meggings want to get involved. Um, I mean, look, I you think- know, how about this, Will? Mm. Oh, my God. Tofop branded Meggings. Mm. Like we do a yeah. deal. You know, like in the 80s, wrestlers would have like branded tights. So, like, you're the rock. So, you walk out and you yeah. got the rock printed on the bum and then there's, like, an insignia sure. down the side. Tofop meggings. So, yeah. tights for men. Oh, we can do legging, leggings yeah. and meggings for the ladies and the men. I was going to say the ladies and the megs. <laughs> the giant sharks out there <laughs> looking to get into tights. But we do Tofop branded. We get a Fosdyke design and we whack them on some meggings because that's distinct. Uh- You'll, you'll, uh, you, that's something you can pick from a mile away. That, you see them coming down the street, that dude listens to Tofop or that dude. I mean, but, but uh, that guy wearing tights out in public, <laughs> I said, weren't you just saying behind before that you tended to cover them with something? Well, not, not now, now you're I've suggesting seen the possibilities. That- <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some meggings going, some Tofop branded vel- crushed velvet meggings. The big toe pop so we got the, the, the Captain Camo Meggings. That's your camo uh, color. You got your Astra Meggings, which is kind of like a blue pattern. You've got like your Neon Tiger Meggings, which is your very sort of wallpaper you might find in some Northern Rivers, you know, luxury motel. Um, and then, yeah, there's lots of different. You, have you seen the ones that look like jeans? They're denim Dan Meggings, where it looks like the skin tight <laughs> oh jeans. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> with fake rips in well, them? I think you've got some options here is what I'm saying. You, I think you can spend some decent time having a look at this Meggings site, but I would love to see you get the collection of the Tiger Shark, Snow Leopard <laughs> and Sabretooth <laughs> Meggings. I guess that could become my affectation. Uh-huh. That could be your thing. Yeah, like, you've always you know, been looking for a thing. You could be the Meggings guy. I'm the Meggings guy. Like Charlie yeah. always wears tights, even in like 40-degree yeah. Eighty percent humidity. <laughs> he's no, still in the mix. He's wearing tights. <laughs> he has the sweatiest crotch of all time. Completely destroyed his scrotum and testicles. <laughs> like they have not breathed in ages. <laughs> Do you mean compression pants? No, <laughs> meggings. Uh, well, it's been a while since we've brought in an article to talk about, but um, this came across my uh, feed, and okay. I thought it would be. Uh, it feel, falls firmly into the Tofop universe. Um, it is from History Defined which is a history website, <laughs> and it's the seven most controversial psychological experiments of all time. Great. Now, I mean, can you think of any off the top of your head? Stanford prison experiment. Yeah, that's the, that's another one I could think of as well. Um, and the one where you electrocute someone, you think you're electrocuting someone, but you're not, and they're, you know what, remember that one? Milgram, the one where they, the one where they give a kid like a cupcake or a marshmallow, oh, and say if and you then, don't eat that, and say if you don't eat that, you get two marshmallows. Yeah, does that count? Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> see how many of those. Okay. Um, this is by Carl Seaver. Do you know what famous family sitcom family were also the Seavers? <laughs> yeah, he's Mike Seaver's kid. Yeah, right? that's right. I love that. Yeah. You got that straight away. <laughs> Normally, I have to like break it down because you had like two channels in Hayfield, but you got it straight. What's the sitcom though? Uh, a country practice. No. no um, <laughs> family ties. No, no. It's the family ties uh, ripoff. Uh, um, family matters. No. Um, it's uh, a pun to do with um, growth. Uh, grow, growth, growing up. <laughs> growing hormones. Grown ups, <laughs> Grow- growing hormones. Growing pains. Growing pains. Show me that yeah. smile again. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, Carl Seaver, son of Mike, <laughs> says psychology is fascinating in that it seeks to understand the human mind and behavior. I love these internet articles where you, they're getting paid by the word. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines psychology as, psychologists have uncovered numerous insights into how we think, feel, and act through research experiment, experiments and observations. I mean, you know what I love is this, like saying the way, like it would be interesting if this was like truck drivers have, like, and then you put in the rest of the information. But the fact that psychologists, whose job is to work out what we think and why, <laughs> have spent some time working out what we think and why. It doesn't actually come as a big surprise to me, I've got to say. Not all psychological experiments have been met with widespread acceptance and approval. Some experiments have been so controversial that they have sparked ethical debates and even legal action. From the infamous Stanford Prison Experiment to the controversial Milgram Obedience Study, okay, so that's the first two that came to mind for us, Let's delve into the details of each experiment, examine the ethical considerations that arose, and discuss their lasting impact on psychology. Okay. So the Stanford Prison Experiment, 
Kickstarting our list is the controversial Stanford Prison Experiment. Dr. Philip Zimbardo, I mean, that name already should make alarm bells. If you're being, like, if an experiment's been run by Philip, Dr. Philip Zimbardo, like, it sounds like if he said you were going to Vegas to see the great Zimbardo, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. Or if I was going to Thailand to visit Dr. Zimbardo about my new teeth. Either way. <laughs> Get some diet pills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Zimbardo conducted this experiment in 71 to observe what would happen when you put good people in bad situations. He took 24 male students and split them into two groups, prisoners and prison guards. The prisoners were stripped of their clothes and given smocks while the guards were given uniforms and nightsticks. The study was intended to last two weeks but was shut down after six days due to the horrific conditions. The prisoners were constantly harassed and abused by the guards. As a result, some began to show signs of mental breakdowns due to psychological and physical abuse. The study is still controversial today, with many people arguing that the participants should have never been put in such a position in the first place. However, it's undeniably helped shape our understanding of how power can affect people's behavior. I don't think that's true. I think this has been debunked. It's been debunked. It's been times. powerfully debunked. It's one of those things that people keep believing is true even though it's been Well, I think that's the more interesting psychological yeah. question is how yeah. willing we are to believe that people when given power are willing to abuse it. I mean, even in saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I think, you know, with the opportunity to do the wrong thing, people do it. But I don't know if that's actually backed up by any kind of data. That's just a that's well, just a vibe. it's not backed up by the Stanford prison <laughs> experiment. Like this is what I think we have worked out. Do you know about the priming experiment? Tell me. Uh, other, otherwise known as the elderly words provoke walking slowly experiment, which is far less catchy than the priming experiment. Okay. Uh, next on the list is a study conducted in 98 by John Barr. This experiment is often known as the elderly words provoke walking slow study, which aimed to observe how subliminal messaging can affect behavior. They had two groups complete a word association task to do this. One group was given words related to the elderly. For example, wrinkled, gray, and bingo. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. That's you, old person. Wrinkled, gray, and bingo. Well, there they, are three words that sum you up. Well, they gave, Your grey, wrinkled, bingo. bingo. <laughs> While they gave the <laughs> other group neutral words. Mm. The participants were then asked to walk down a hallway with researchers timing how long it took them to reach the end. Unsurprisingly, those in the first group who had been exposed to the words relating to the elderly walked down the hallway significantly slower than those in the second group. I mean, how is that unsurprisingly? I would have thought that was surprising. No, I would have thought that was surprising too. The study yeah. was controversial at the time as it questioned how much control we have over our behavior. At the time, many people were worried that if advertisers and others could influence our behavior in such a way, we would no longer be able to make our own decisions. However, imagine living in that world. <laughs> <laughs> However, this was mainly so controversial because later it was debunked. Uh, <laughs> so that's two for two, right? These yeah. controversial psychological experiments. A different lab led by Stephen Doyen could not produce mm. the same results. Mm. While there's a lot of hearsay and rumors, social priming is a controversial phenomenon that can have dangerous consequences. But how can it be a controversial phenomenon if it's been debunked? Well, that experiment was debunked, I think. Like there is some social priming that can be done. Right? Like you see magicians do it all the time where they can convince, like, you know, you you drive them past a billboard, you blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I mean, there are ways that you can actually plant these images. But the idea that just saying a few words to somebody would mean they walk slower down a corridor, that's been debunked. But the idea of social – I mean, advertising, of course, uses – like, you know, sounds and words and like all these sort of things to prime you for buying things constantly. Yeah, I think because was it the, in the 80s there was a bit of, it wasn't, it was the equivalent of satanic panic, but it was like subliminal, subliminal panic. I remember urban myths about oh, Coca-Cola are flushing up, you know, the Coca-Cola brand in, you know, four-fifths of a second and that's meant to in, embed in your head, but that's all bullshit, right? There's no actual trick to putting it in your head, but – repeatedly sewing an idea into conversation is more of, like you say, a stage magician or a con artist trick, right? Right, yeah. And so, yes, that's right. You can't just, like, flick up subliminal – but you're not allowed to flick up subliminal mes messages either. Like, they did – well, I think maybe, I guess – I don't know, actually, why not. That's a very good question. Uh, Lion, let me just type in subliminal yeah. messaging, is it real? Is, well, what are we talking about? Like, we're talking about, like – Subliminal images. 
Can you make yeah. people is what, right. what is? Let's see. Oh, are you looking it up? Uh, a subliminal message is a technique used in marketing and other media to influence people without their being aware of what the messenger is doing. Buy meggings. Buy meggings. Buy meggings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as interesting as the topic may have been by psychologists, uh, advertisers, blah, blah, blah. In 1957, an ad man named James Vickery claimed he could increase concession sales at movie theatres. Tyrone's by dad, flashing I believe, messages. James Vickery. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, drink Coca-Cola or eat popcorn for a frame at a time during a movie. He claimed that popcorn sales at a theatre went up 18% while Coke sales went up 57%. Um, Vickery was asked to test the messages before the FCC and Congress. The only result, his eat popcorn message seemed to make one of the senators senators want a hot dog. <laughs> how, how did they correlate that? Someone got hungry after a four-hour hearing. Um all right, uh, that's pretty funny. Um, okay, so he was a con artist. By 59, we can find evidence for, um, uh, yeah, okay, con, con, con. In 1973, Husker Du, not the punk band but the board game, stirred up another subliminal messaging controversy. A TV commercial for the game flashed the message, get it, faster than the unaware viewer could see. The FCC investigated the matter and issued a public notice that subliminal messages are contrary to the public incident uh, interests. And we all, of course, um, uh, you know, have got a copy of Husker Du, the board game, so that <laughs> yeah. must have worked really well. Well, I guess the idea of subliminal messaging has yeah. been superseded by the algorithm. I mean, in terms of seeping something into your consciousness, that's we're, we're doing that ourselves now through our search histories and data, right? Like that's yes. Well, that's why it always for people it can feel like your phone's been listening to you when in fact it hasn't actually been listening to. It's been compiling a whole bunch of things you searched or where you are and whatever, and making some very educated, high level algorithmic guesses about what it is that you're thinking, and yet. That, I mean, that is much more powerful, right? Because you think, oh, yeah, I was thinking about doing this thing or I was thinking about buying. I mean, the amount of Megging's ads you're going to get in your feed now. <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I guess the trick with – and you've been hypnotized before by stage magician. The idea of it's the, – the trick of it is to make it feel like it's a good idea or it's your idea. It's much harder to just like flash something in – you know, flash an image up and have someone go, oh, I suddenly I feel like a Coke, as opposed to, oh, I was I showed vague interest in this thing and now I've seen three or four ads. Well, you know what? Maybe I will click on that link now and see if I need uh, teeth whitening. I get, I'm getting a lot of hair, grey hair covering and teeth whitening. So <laughs> clearly my, my search history at the moment is like I'm, mort I'm dying. I'm dying in slow motion. How can I stop this? I'm dying and slightly vain. Can you help? I also might want to buy some leggings. <laughs> what does that result in? By well, the time my teeth are like iridescent white, really my, white my hair teeth. is jet black. I'm straight down Jet the black hair, white teeth, and, and my meggings. fake denim meggings. In your, in your camouflage meggings. <laughs> oh, man. Next I'll just look up some fake tan, which I uh, – I would have thought actually in the area that you are in – Mm. I've now thought about this. So, like, Meggings is obviously one direction you could go. Mm. But you could also go the hippie route, right? Because what you do see up in that part of the world is often someone who's got some sort of, like, home-knitted style, long woolen pant, you know, some sort of hippie slash magician slash court oh, jester yeah, yeah, slash yeah. juggler sort of. Crushed velvet, maybe you know? flared flared at the yeah, ends. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I bet you could get like some knitted. If you went to Nimbin, I reckon you could get some. I reckon there'd be a guy in Nimbin who could sort you out with some. <laughs> Pretty much anything you want, you can get in Nimbin. I'm here for meggings. You got some meggings, yeah. mate? <laughs> do you, do you, is that code for some drug? <laughs> no, no, no. Literally, do you have some knitted tights that I could wear? <laughs> All right, next up is the Milgram experiment. 
another well-known and controversial experiment in 61 by Stanley Milgram. The study observed how far people would go in obeying an authority figure, even if it meant harming another person. Okay. Not coincidentally, this experiment took place three months after the trial of Adolf Eichmann had it, had had started in Jerusalem. Was he like a war criminal or something like that, Adolf Eichmann? Yes. Probably sounds like it. The iconic it experiment attempted to break down the effects of genocide psychology to see whether Eichmann and others like him were following orders during the Holocaust or were actually evil beings. He recruited participants and told them they were participating in a study about memory and learning. They were then paired with another participant, an actor, and the test subjects were told to shock them whenever they got an answer wrong. The shocks were fake, but the actors pretended to be in pain. Even pre-recorded electrical shock sounds were played through the room to ensure the shock seemed authentic. The actors were strapped to the chair and the participant was told that this was to ensure they could not leave no matter how bad it got. The participants were also given a real electric shock before the test to provide them with an idea of what the actors would be going through. And so the test commenced. It was simple. List a pairs of words, uh, lists of pairs of words were given and recalled by the participant and the actor. The participant would then provide a list of four possible answers and the actor would use a button to identify which sequence of words was correct. If they were wrong, they would receive an electric shock and the voltage would be turned up by 15 volts each time with max being 450 volts. As the voltage was increased, the actors would pretend to be in more pain. In later versions of the experiment, I love this, there was, sequel, there was a sequel. Yeah, in the sequels. They always ramp it up for the sequels. Yeah, right. We're up to Milgram 10 now. Milgram yeah. X. And in Milgram 10, uh, which was much like the Saw franchise, uh, they were handed a chainsaw at the start of the interview and asked to hack off a limb every time. Some actors would beg for mercy or plead that they had a heart condition, but still the shocks would continue. Whenever the participants started to show signs that they wanted to stop the experiment or at least not carry on, the experimenters replied with these statements in this order of severity. So this is the instructions that participants were given. Step one, please continue or please go on. The experiment requires, so this is the what they're meant to tell the actors, please continue or please go on. Uh, number two was the experiment requires that you continue. Uh, the message three was, it's absolutely essential that you continue. And number four was, you have no other choice. You must go on. They would move on to the next statement if the first statement didn't work. The experiment would stop if the participant didn't continue after the fourth prompt. As the test was run, 65% of the participants made it to the final 450 volt mark. All participants making it to the 300-volt mark, showcasing that people will go to great lengths to obey authority figures. The study was controversial because it showed how easily people could be coerced into harming others, even if they didn't want to. It also raised ethical concerns about the use of deception in research. Despite these concerns, the Milgram experiment is still considered a critical study, providing insight into how people respond to authority figures. I'd like to how know more you- context around the participants. Right. And how do you know, how do you think you would go under the Milgram experiment? It's just hard to, I think I am by nature a compliant individual. I think I do naturally defer to authority. Uh, Maybe it's been the youngest of nine kids or something. It's sort of built hardwired into me that I don't know anything, (laughs) that other people always know more than me. Um, But I also abhor violence and don't like seeing cruelty and bullying and stuff like that. So I imagine those those two impulses would be in direct conflict. I think I think that as soon as I found out there was an element of hurting someone, I'd be like, I don't want to do this. I, I think that would be enough to rule me out. So we spoke about jury duty mm. and like I think I could be fooled by other people if I thought it was in the service of something good, but this, I don't – and like I think I there's plenty of things that I would absolutely fall for like fall for. I have but something like this, I would be like absolutely no fucking. Do you way. think that like, you but- would think it was <laughs> would you see through what it was? Like would you go, there's something else going on? This doesn't feel real? Or do you think you just would not investigate? Once you found out what the parameters were, you'd be like, nah. I think I think whenever it's the same with like scams. How I think any email I don't recognise is probably a scam, and I just err on the side of that. I think I'm a bit like that in real life as well, which is I'm sure there are quite legitimate businesses and operations and surveys. Someone rang me the other day um, on the phone, and I think that 
they were actually being sincere. I'd answered some survey and like as a reward, I'd like become eligible for some like, you know, they were going to send me a gift voucher or something. And I think it actually was a real thing, but I'm so sus on any of that, like giving my details to anyone or doing anything. And I was just like, I don't want to get, I don't even want to get involved. I don't want to like do the research to find out if this is a legitimate thing. It's not worth it. So I think, I think in a situation like that, I would definitely be like, nah, this is not for me. Well, that. this experiment is just like, you know, we're yeah. talking about 1961. You'd have to update it. Like it would have to – because we live in a world now where there are so many regulations and everyone is so much more literate about the world around them and stuff that the experiment would need to have other um, – what's the word? Um, mis, mis, uh, misdirections in place in order to – for me, but if the essential question is, would you respond to authority? I think they would need to take away the the cruelty element, like the mm. the element of hurting somebody else. Well, I think so. That- this is when it comes to this idea of like the Nazis, where they're just following orders. You're like, I can understand the idea of following orders, and when you're being bossed around and you fear for your own life and stuff. But if the following orders is then to hurt other people or kill other people, I think I like to think that I would still be the person who went, nah. No, 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 no. Well, I think we all make choices, though, as mm. consumers in a capitalist society mm. in which deep down mm. we know yeah. that, you know, the phone we purchase, the sneakers we it's wear. It's true. Your meggings are going to come straight from a Bangladeshi yeah. sweatshop. So, you know, maybe it's not like a mm. direct, um, you mm. know, intravenous <laughs> hurting of like, that So they, br- they bring not you into a room and they're like, yeah. Yeah. They, they bring you into a room and there's a sweet pair of meggings there in the corner <laughs> and they say- <laughs> Like, you can have these Megans, these <laughs> fake denim Megans. But <laughs> we're going to kill one dog. <laughs> you won't know where the dog is, but just know the dog is going to die. <laughs> it might be a domestic pet, might be a stray. Don't know. It might be, it might might be, be a, a bad dog. dog. It could be a. Might be a, like, it might be, a, be a mercy killing. Thing. Exactly right, Mart. <laughs> What I will tell oh, you. Oh, man, I could rationalize. I know. That was definitely a sick old dog. The dog they killed, it was, it was old. I need those mechanisms. All right. Well, now we've got a new part. Here's a picture of the dog. How do you feel about yeah. it now? <laughs> if I said the little Albert experiment, what would you guess uh, that was about? I know the fat Albert experiment. <laughs> that was about... <laughs> <laughs> that was about a, uh, having a uh, – yeah. w- when you are voiced by a horrible monster. Yeah. Hey, 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 indeed. Um, the Little Albert? Yeah. Did you say Little Albert? 1920. Yeah, the Little Albert experiment. Okay. No, don't know. And look, I'll just give a trigger warning. This might be upsetting to some people. It's not super bad, okay. but it, 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 can, it, it involves horrible things. Um, okay. One of the most controversial psychological exper- experiments of all time was the Little Albert experiment conducted by John Watson and Rosalie Rayner in 1920, which explains probably how they got away with this. The study aimed to observe how fear could be conditioned in a child. <laughs> Fucking Ooh. hell. To do this, they used a nine-month-old boy called Albert. Yeah. He was exposed to several animals, including rats, rabbits, and dogs. Each time he saw them, he was given a slight shock. Nine months old. Oh After God. some time, Albert began to show signs of fear whenever he yeah, saw no any of the animals. No even shit. if he wasn't shocked. <laughs> this showed oh that fear can be conditioned in children and yeah. doesn't happen naturally. How the fuck do they need uh, an experiment to work this out? How's the little Albert though? Like, did little Albert grow up to be big Albert? Is he okay? Do we know, know anything more about to type in? I need to find out what happened to little Albert because. Like that's the real experiment, right? It's yeah. Like we all know that you can still fear. In oh yeah. Children, so he changed his name but, to Adolf, and yeah. uh, oh, we know what happened to Albert <laughs> after that. <laughs> um, okay, Sarah, this is a deeper dive on the little uh, Albert experiment. Yes, please. Oh God. <laughs> okay, it's not. It's not great. All right. Okay. The story does not have a happy ending. Uh, Albert, whose real name was Douglas, died at the age of six on May 10th, 1925, from hydrocephalus. It built up a fluid in his brain, which he suffered from since birth. Our search of seven years was longer than that little boy's life, the scientist wrote of the discovery. Holy fucking shit. The question of what happened to little Albert has been one of psychology's mysteries. Before Watson and Rayner could attempt to cure 
Little Albert, he and his mother moved away. Some envisioned the boy growing into a man with a strange phobia of fairy objects. Recently, the true identity and fate of the boy known as Little Albert was discovered. As reported in American Psychologist, the seven-year search led by psychologist Hall P. Beck led to a discovery. After tracking down and locating the original experiment and the real identity of the boy's mother, it was suggested that Little Albert was a boy named Douglas. Um, in, in 2012, Beck and uh, Alan J. Fridland reported that Douglas was not the healthy, normal child Watson had described in his 1920 experiment. They had presented convincing evidence that Watson knew about and deliberately concealed the boy's neurological condition. This is fucking horrifying. Oh my God. And this was not like the Nazi experiments. This was like us. We did this. <laughs> this is meant to be the good guys, right? The people on the side of science have taken some poor kid, kid who already had pre-existing health disorders and then like exposed them to rats and shocked him. I mean, this is where like conspiracy theorists and stuff get yeah. their fuel. They like look at this. This is what Everybody, scientists love doing. Big pharma, exactly. They love taking nine nine them, month right? old babies and torturing yeah. them. Um, are you familiar with the Facebook emoticon emotion? No, the Facebook emotion experiment. Yeah, but this is a real thing, right? This yeah. is the when they were. Now, hang on, I can't remember exactly. It was to see if they could alter people's moods, essentially, was Correct. what they were doing. But yes, um, I can't remember University. exactly how they did it. How did they do it? One of the most recent and controversial experiments uh, was the Facebook emotion experiment uh, conducted by Cornell University. The study aimed to observe how social media can affect our emotions. Oh, well, um, see, uh, if you were on social media. <laughs> mm, not, I'm not, I, I haven't mentioned this, so people, um, they understand the context of this. I'm not on social okay. media anymore. To do this, they manipulated the news feeds of over 700,000 Facebook users, showing some users positive content. I mean, this is amazing. This feels like it should be like 20 years ago, but it's only 2014 that, you know, they're yeah. like, you know what, let's take, you know, probably the most influential technological advancement in the last 15 years and fuck with it. And now yeah. it's like the genie is out of the bottle. They monitored how these users responded emotionally. The study results showed that those exposed to positive content were more likely to post positive content and vice versa. The study was controversial because it showed that social media could impact our emotions. Mm, it also raised amazing. ethical concerns about the manipulation of people's news feeds. Mm -hmm. Wait until they find out about someone who's shocking a baby. <laughs> Despite these concerns, the Facebook emotion experiment is considered an important study providing an insight into social media can affect our moods and behaviours. You can see how these controversial psychological experiments have shaped our understanding of the human mind. While they may have raised ethical concerns, they're still essential. Was this written by Facebook? It feels like <laughs> by an AI. Facebook I lawyers have just come in here. <laughs> um, are you familiar with Operation Midnight Climax? Ooh. Not since I was about um. fourteen. <laughs> Midnight Climax for me would often follow a viewing of SBS on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Operation Midnight Climax followed by Operation Sunday Morning Sleep In. Yeah, followed by Operation Sneak the Sheets Past Mum. <laughs> Sneak the sheets into the laundry. Okay. In the 1950s, the CIA ran what was known as Operation Midnight Climax under the highly controversial MK Ultra program. Okay, so this is okay. all about like, you know, sleeper yeah. cells and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. sleeper agents. Under this program, the CIA used sex workers to lure men back to safe houses in New York and San Francisco where they would be drugged without their knowledge, usually slipping them into their drinks, and observed through one-way mirrors. Such drugs included illegal chemicals such as LSD. Over the decade this program was run, the government was provided with information on how the mind-altering drugs and narcotics affected the human mind and their users. This is one controversial experiment that I would have been bang up for. <laughs> Like this sounds <laughs> yeah, yeah. pretty good to me. Yeah, when they bring you in for the Stanford prison experiment, you're like, any of those LSD ones going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want you. Uh, we want you to sh electric shock yeah. someone. I would rather yeah. just meet a sex worker who gives me free drugs. Yeah. Is that yeah, one still no, going? No, this is an experiment, <laughs> but you're just going to hang out with a sex worker. They're going <laughs> to give you free drugs. <laughs> Additionally, it helped uh, develop better surveillance equipment, and there are reports of sexual blackmail. The report was shut down in 1965 though some say it continued unofficially under different names. Yeah, I've read a few books about 
in the late 60s, experiments with LSD and mind control and all that kind of stuff. But this seems – I don't understand why they had to do this covertly. Like couldn't you couldn't you just bring people in and say, hey, we want to see what LSD does? Like why did you have to do it through a two-way mirror with, and then get like sex workers? Well, maybe they needed to know what the drug's effects were without people knowing they were on the drugs or maybe they couldn't legally give people these sort of drugs because they were illegal drugs. So maybe this was an off the books. they were back then. I think they Regulation or maybe they just, they owed the sex workers some money anyway and they needed to, they were just like, you know, you know what, let's just get some sex workers for this. And everyone's like, Gary, you don't need to. We can just do this in the lab. But he goes, you can no, do it no. your way, yeah. but I'm going to have some better way. <laughs> I mean, it must have been some button-down scientist to just like looking, just seeing some dude having the time of his life, just tripping balls <laughs> with a sex worker, and that scientist was like, "Fuck, I'm on the wrong side of the glass." Like, <laughs> well, the scientist feels like they're on the right side of the glass. Everyone <laughs> yeah. out of the lab. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to have a midnight climax. <laughs> There's a reason it's called this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just make sure you mop that room after. Uh, Professor Johnson's been in there. Okay, the monster study. This is going to uh, conclude the list, Will. Okay. Um, uh, this is uh, one of the most controversial studies ever. It came in 1939. Um, it started with two researchers, Wendell Johnson and Mary Tudor. It's funny. There's been two of these. This the, the two most controversial ones, the kid getting scared of animals and this one, are both conducted by men and women teams. I don't know. Interesting. I wonder if they're like some kind of relationship there. Maybe get, that's how they got off. Maybe it's some kind of like there was something deeper going well, on. Because a woman's involved. It's because there's a woman scientist involved. Well, it's a couple. Now it's it like has a, to be. Well, not well, no, we, no, we don't know that they're couples. No, no. I'm just wondering, like, because it's so weird. <laughs> like, like it almost feels like a kink, and it's like because the other ones, like, it, they didn't mention how, but these okay. two are both couples. Like male, female doesn't really matter. But I'm just like, oh, I wonder if there's something. Some weird. They're egging each other on. Is well, what there's some saying. kind of like kink going on. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So, the deep diving in the process of how outcomes and positive reinforcement works. Uh, Tudor was interested in how stuttering could be lessened or cured, providing positive reinforcement for those who spoke without issues. Sounds reasonable for now. To figure this out, Wendell and Johnson divided. Oh God, why is it always kids? Twenty-two orphaned children between six oh. and nine. Oh with no God. history of speech problems into two groups. Yeah. The first group was constantly bombarded with positive feedback and praise for how excellent and fluent their speech was, regardless of what their speech was like. The second group was treated differently. They would receive negative feedback and be punished, regardless of their speech fluency. You know what? Those orphans have had it too good for too, <laughs> too long. long. Let's firstly round up some orphans. <laughs> We've got some experimenting to do. Things got so bad for this group that one girl ran away from the orphanage where this was taking mm. place. Good for her. Yeah. Um, if you put yourself in a position, imagine what life must have been like for a six-year-old going through such trauma and you have no understanding of why, you'll be quick to say, I mean, I don't have to do that. Like no. I can just read I the mean, words Thank in you front for leaning into this one, but yeah, sure. No, I get it. That's unbelievable. And yeah, that's it. So basically they just took 11 kids and just were really mean to them for the sake of seeing if they started. impediments. <laughs> it's basically they took 11 or orphans and tried to give them a stutter. Like I know people talk about, you know, the world's going to hell and everything sucks now. But like for the better part, like I'm sure there's like exploitation still happens, but for the most part. Like sanctioned yeah, somebody, torturing of children. If, if somebody at the height, even at the height of COVID, not one of our chief health officers went on like, you know, one of those press conferences and said, look, on behalf of everybody in our society at the moment, we're going to have to do some experiments on some orphans. <laughs> like, you know, like even at the depths of COVID, even Trump didn't suggest we round up some orphans and do some experiments. You're right. Like there is a level of kind of media savvy now, or at least like being able to read the room, which says don't torture children. <laughs> don't, that, yeah. that it seems like our grandparents were like tone deaf to or something. I don't yeah. know. Oh, uh, mate, well, science. The bloody kids, they're too soft these days. <laughs> kids these days, they want to have parents and not be experimented on. They're they bloody they, soft, I'll tell you. They don't like it when we electrocute them after showing in them a fluffy day, animal. In my day, they would make you hang out with a rat and then shock you. 
Uh, well, it's going to be a shorter episode today. Uh, so let's just get to the mailbag and then we'll yes. say au revoir, which is French for fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> this is from oh Naomi. Uh, hey, guys. I usually start something. I usually start saying by saying something like "long time listener, mm. first time caller," but that would be two lies, considering I've only recently discovered the pods, and this is not a call. Uh, I cannot honestly tell you how I found Tofop and Fofop. I'm certain. Hang on, have we done this before? I'm certain that I'm not your core demo, being a 26 year old female that works in criminal law. No, we haven't done this one before. No? No. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I do love a wine. I'm not a doctor, but I do love a wine. We accept lawyers as well. Lawyers like, are fine. Yeah. In in terms of like, you know, as we rank our listeners. And criminal law, handy. Yeah. Yeah, very handy for us when we get sued for <laughs> our meggings, which cut off circulation to people's <laughs> ankles. I just wanted to say. These are the opposite of compression. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, they have the opposite effect of compression. I just wanted to say, whoever convinced you to put all the pods in one feed deserves a bonus. Oh, okay. I've never watched a game or a match or a test cricket in my life. Mm. I've always found the concept incredibly boring. However, I listened to both Two Guys, One Earn episodes the days they were released simply because they turned up on my new podcast feed. Well, the credit must go to Mike the Third. Um, it was his idea. He t- looked at all the, uh, the various mess. podcasts we do. <laughs> the, <laughs> mess, uh, the mess that we had created. <laughs> the unmitigated <laughs> disaster that was Tofop Productions. <laughs> he looked at the cats that we had released into the room and he thought, we could, we should try to herd some well, of these let's cats. Let's herd some of these together. Uh, yeah. And it's, look, to be honest, like it, 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 it's, we've no, the numbers have, have all gone up. Everything's been solidified. If we had known, if someone, uh, if Marty McFly had come back yeah. in time and said to us in 2010, hey, you guys are going to want to do more of this in various, mm. but just keep it all in the one feed. Everyone just knows keep it's it you. simple. <laughs> just make it simple. I mean, I was literally thinking that the other day about philosophy. I was like, oh, it just would be handy if philosophy was just there as well. Yeah. And then, like, I wouldn't have to worry about separate feeds at all. <laughs> I've been listening since around when Mrs. Davis came out. There's obviously some things you discuss that I don't understand or relate to, but I find your perspectives really interesting. It also sometimes a reminder that all humans have some common experience, regardless of age, gender, career, or whatever. Is that you talking about us or Mrs. Davis? It must be no. Us. What and us, We're doing us in relation to the this audience. criminal. This criminal specific criminal lawyer, uh, Naomi. Uh, lastly, a big shout out to podcast Mike. He seems like a bloody legend. Singing along to Country Road in the last ep made me smile. It was a real highlight of my day. What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> See, here's what you need to know, Will, because yeah, I don't we, often listen to the shows yeah, afterwards, but Mike the Third does an incredible oh, yeah. amount of post-production on the show that we've never had oh. before. So often when you and I are talking and we'll reference something, Mike will quickly show and throw in a clip. He'll go through the archives, he'll find the bit oh. we're talking about and he'll play it for the audience. Other times he comments on the stuff we're doing. Like if we go rambling because we're doing a, you know, like a web page search and we can't mm. find the website, he'll just like fade us down and he'll fade himself up and he'll do a bit of commentary or play a bit of music or whatever. So there's all this stuff happening with the show that we don't know about. Wow. So I'm assuming that is a not a podcast mic thing, but a, well, a mic thing, just not a podcast yeah. mic. A mic One of the mics. Thing. It'd be yeah. a mic, definitely a mic of some kind. In fact, if you're a mic who listens to the show, write yeah. in. Let us How know. many is mics do we have? Because I think we're like, I mean, I think we've obviously had more mics as producers than any other podcast. Well, at least our 100% producer rate, like the fact that they've all been called Mike. I mean, that's incredible. Like, you know, it's a streak that in the history of podcasts, I think, has never happened before and will never be replicated again. But uh, but how many mics listen to the show? That's what I would oh, like to that's know. What if you're a mic. What name do you think would be oh, the good. most common? This is good stuff. Like, like male or female or whatever. Yeah. Like, I'd say. Well, I think we've got to start with a marker, right? And so I think Mike should be our first experiment. Okay. Like, so I think how do we, run we, this we need to find out how, how many this? mics. Well, yeah, people, mics are going to have to contact us. If you're a Mike, okay, you have but, to get in contact with us in some but, way. But, okay. So Mike the third, yeah. we like he seems to like being addressed as Mike. That's who introduces yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know that podcast Mike. I think he's Michael, but. We we gave him the moniker, or he gave well, him. No, he was oh, radio, radio Mike. Mike. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how do we qualify though? Is it just anyone called Michael, or does it someone who has to 
you know. They, oh no, 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 no! Oh, I mean, you can be a Mike, a Michael. You, like, I mean, I'd accept a Mick or a Mickey. Like, I mean, if you're in a Mika, yeah, sure, why not? I'm happy with a Mika. <laughs> I don't like the parameters of this. You've, you're bent. I gave you the first bloody variable and you immediately yielded to it. I don't like it. You, we should go back to just torturing kids. <laughs> Mike, Mikey, you can be a Mikey. You can be a Macchiato. No. Okay, Mike. So let's just start with Mike's and Michael's. If you are a Mike or a Michael, please well, get what? in contact with oh. us. <laughs> that seems like a really inefficient way to run this. Don't get in contact because then we've just got all these disparate – like emails, like we need to run a poll somehow. But how do we do it? No, it's a no, survey. Like first, we, we we first just have to find out how many mics we have, yeah. and then that's our poll leader. Okay. So, like, I mean, we can say like Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Like, we can do a bit of a random poll of like you know how many mics we've got, so that we could like go say we've got fourteen mics. Let's just say. Listening to this podcast, there's 14 mics, and then we know that that's our okay. We've got that's 14 mics. That's our bench. It's our bench mic, <laughs> not benchmark. We'll go, <laughs> we need a bench mic, and I believe it is just. What's the best way for people to get in contact? Well, can I offer a, an alternative way mic. of doing this? Is that we look at the demographics of where our audience is based. So we're predominantly in Australia, with the US being our second biggest market. Wouldn't we just look at recent kind of polling census of those two markets and see what the most common name is and then you would just, you know, what, you'd just do a rough approximate approximation. No, no thank you. Oh, you. You want no. hard data. <laughs> this is like, this is the problem with the like scientific partnership. Yeah, that, yeah. Like one, one person. Yeah, like, if we both no, had no. a kink, if it was more sexual <laughs> that you and I just got off on mics, then we'd be in complete agreement on this. <laughs> You've got a box full of rats. I've got some electronic equipment. <laughs> Let's get started. I'm getting. On, I'm about to midnight climax. Um, all right. Okay. So let get in touch if your name is Mike. That's all I want to know first. Let's just find out how many mics or Michaels there are. Okay. In the same way as doctors have been getting but in ha- touch. Get in touch. How? Like messages. Like go to the website. Go to tofop.com and send us a, yeah, a send message. Us an email. Send us an email to the show. All right, I'm let's a make Mike. it easy. Yeah. Go to tofop.com yeah. and just and just put in the subject line. I'm a Mike. Yeah. Or a Mika. Or yeah. a Mick. Or a, right. whatever the variations yeah, are. Yeah, whatever you Michelle. are. But if, if you consider yourself to be a Mike. Does Michelle you, count? I mean, I think that you've at some stage, like your name, I don't know. Like you, you if, you've been, if you've ever if been addressed list, as a Mike. If you're listening to this and you consider yourself <laughs> to be a Mike. <laughs> then get in touch. Go to tofop.com. There's a little contact form. You can send us an email. But just in the subject line, just, uh-huh. in, just write down. What did I say? I'm Mike. I'm a Mike. Um, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm Mike. Something to do with Mike. Just I. No, just I'm Mike. <laughs> I, I apostrophe M. I'm Mike. Just so I can search it easier, so I can compile them. And then next week, next week. Oh, yeah. it won't be next week. It'll be two weeks from now because we're two weeks ahead. Yeah. When this goes out, I'll be able to total up the mics, and that will okay. be our um, bench mic. <laughs> right. Good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, that tight. I was going to get to another letter, but I think we've taken up all our time. Yes. Um, so that is Tofop for this week. Uh, I just mentioned Tofop.com. That's where you can find all our podcasts. We have a footy one, two guys, one cup, which is on a separate, uh, which is on the only available on the listener app. That's going at the moment, but you can hear it through the website. Uh, Willosophy's back. Uh, Will mentioned that before. And two guys, one urn. Will's uh, Ashes podcast um, is uh, also in the Tofop feed. So really, you only need. Three streams, Two Guys, One Cup, Tofop, and Philosophy. You'll get all our podcasts. And remember, follow us if you listen. Follow <laughs> yeah. us. Don't follow subscribe. Us. Follow don't us. Sus- well, no, not don't subscribe. Oh, you can for, subscribe, but, but it's yeah, the same thing. Subscribing's, yes, it's the same thing, but don't tell them to not subscribe. <laughs> no, do subscribe <laughs> you, and follow. Like, follow is just another word for subscribe. And this is a perfect so example of where po- Mike the Third would turn our mics down and then he'd fade up like the actual I turned the mics down one time. He's done that before. <laughs> one time I did it to try bit, and help. But we're doing a fun bit. It's not a fun yeah. bit. We're doing one of these fun it's bits. A serious thing. Like, like, uh, clearly, I have not done a good job of explaining why follow subscribers at different things about a year ago the podcast apps changed it used to be subscribe they changed it to follow because subscribers now associated with payment like a netflix subscription or whatever other paid thing you like 
like I say, it's on me. I didn't do a good job explaining this to Will and Charlie, and I still haven't because um, they're not going to hear this back anyway, so I don't even know why I'm saying it. But the main thing is we appreciate you listening. We'd love you to keep listening. Follow, subscribe, do whatever you want. doesn't fucking matter. Back to the podcast. We allow him a bit of creative freedom in return. Um, Do you have anything to promote? Uh, uh, Look, I'm still doing some touring, comedy.com.au. In fact, I've added some new shows on my improvised show at the Sydney uh, Comedy Store, but there's also um, a whole bunch of regional dates that are still. uh, So if you go to comedy.com.au, you can find out uh, where I am going to be for those things. Gruen is back on the ABC at the moment, or you can watch it on ABC iView and you can still catch Will Logical, my old special on ABC iView as well. And if you go to the episode description, you'll see a link tree, which will take you take you to all the TOEFOP-related websites that you could ever want. And don't forget, best way to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash TOEFOP. Bonus episodes every two weeks, plus a bunch of other great bonus material. That's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm <laughs> <laughs>